Hello and welcome back to Rain on Your Parade. Today we're going to be doing Scream again. <laughs> I, I hate to say Scream Part 2 because it sounds like I'm talking about the sequel, but I'm not. So this is just my Part 2. What is that? Oh, that's a tag. I was like, what is that black thing on my blanket? It's just a tag. Okay. Anyway, guys. <laughs> we left off where Sydney was about to go talk to Gail about her book with Cotton Weary. And, uh, you know, she walks over and Gail is putting makeup on and she's like, stop right there. <laughs> so I was like, okay, stop right there. Um, so I did. And, um, yeah, I'm going to try to go faster <clears throat> on this episode. Um, I don't, I'm not going to talk about anything else or try not to. So here we go. We're going to try and finish this. I kind of don't like this conversation in a way because it's like, there was a lot of this in the 90s. Like, there were so many movies about, like, men getting in trouble and then it turning out that the woman seduced him and he was innocent all along. Uh, which Cotton, in this scenario, Cotton is innocent of murder, but... I don't think her mom seduced him and he was like, I think they were having an affair. Like they were both responsible for that. But so she was cheating on her husband. Sydney is just in denial about this because she doesn't want to think that her mom cheated on her dad. You know, she, she doesn't want to think that that happened, but, um, and that's understandable and that's fine. But like, you know, she did say that he, but I don't think she flat out lied about it. I mean, she didn't lie. She thought it was him. It looked like him. They have the same haircut. You know what I mean? Like, they do have the same haircut. But I just... <clears throat> you kind of see some of Gail's, like... She's not trying to be the biggest jerk on the planet. Like, there are way worse jerks. Like, they're trying to make her out to be, like, this jerk. But she's not... I mean, <laughs> she is. And they're trying to make her out to be. But... It's not as bad as what it is in reality, actually. Because <laughs> she's like, it was the hottest court case and somebody was going to write a book about it. And Sydney's like, yeah, and it had to be you. And it's like, <clears throat> um, it's just unnecessary, you know, that missing white woman syndrome, you know, type thing. That whole, let's make a huge deal out of one case and make it like, you know, national news. Like, things like that but anyway I just don't like how movies back then like a lot of movies even now they'll have this like scenario where it's like you know oh a girl was attacked by a man and like oh it turned like they had a lot of and it really bothers me they had a lot of movies where the storyline was a girl got attacked and the guy was the innocent victim because it was really her being a slut. It's like, can we not ever do that again? Because that is like so freaking unlikely and it's built up this like narrative that like, yeah. I mean, what happened to Maureen Prescott really happened and what Sydney said happened to her really happened. It just wasn't caught and it was someone else, you know, but it's like, at least they're not doing that whole like, but they are trying to make her out to be the bad guy. Like, oh, but she actually cheated. It's like, it doesn't freaking matter. That has nothing to do with it. She was actually murdered. 
She was actually the victim. She did not deserve to be murdered just because she cheated on her husband. Like, like that's ridiculous. And no, no. But anyway, yeah, he was framed, but like, you know, Cotton was framed, but all the stuff that Sydney knew happened to her mom really did happen to her mom. And it's like, if, if she really was having an affair with Cotton, it was like, it just feels like the movie saying like, oh, she was actually the bad guy. No, she never was and never will be. She was always the victim and she still is the victim. Like, I don't like how Gail was like, your mother seduced him. <laughs> like, whatever. Like, you know, he hooked up with her, you know, that doesn't mean she did anything wrong to Cotton. Like, Sydney's mom didn't do anything mean to Cotton. She didn't seduce him. Like, he just, they just slept together, whatever. You know, equal, <laughs> they're both equal in that scenario. You know, that's not a thing to blame her for. But somebody attacking her and uh, killing her. Yeah, that's not her fault. <laughs> it don't matter how slutty she is. Like, her, her murder was not her fault. You know? So let's just be clear on that. And and all these, like, 90s movies that act like, oh, if if this is true and Cotton's innocent, that means her mom was a slut. So, so what? Even if she is, so what? She didn't deserve to be murdered. Anyway. <laughs> so they have that conversation. And she's like, Kenny, there's an innocent man on death row and a murderer still on the loose. She's like, if I'm right about this, I could save a man's life. And he has this, like, smile slightly. He starts smiling in this glimmer of hope, like, oh, how sweet. And she's like, do you know what they could do for my book sales? And his smile drops because he's like, oh, for a second there, I thought you might be a good person. But that hope was dashed. And she acts like Kenny's this, like, big goofy like Kenny's not dumb he's not even that big like she calls him you know fat and stuff but <clears throat> he's not really that fat like he, he's just regular looking really but um <clears throat> and he, he's like you would think he would be the bumbling idiot cameraman but he's not at all dumb like he he's pretty cool you know actually We'll get to how I feel about Kenny later, <laughs> but he wants her to be a good person, and he has this hope in his eyes, but she, you know, says that, and the hope is lost. He's like, dang it, I thought. But Tatum comes up before that, and she's like, nice welt, sweetie. She's like, being mean to her on Sydney's behalf, which is like, she upset Sydney a lot, and like, help traumatize her so Tatum's like you know sees it from that side of things and is like you know <clears throat> you're kind of a b-word which yeah like these people who are like tabloid media like these like <clears throat> paparazzi and reporters and stuff I love the press I love free press and finding out the truth but like when it comes to like situations that are tragic and they feed off of it and make like money off of other people's pain yeah that's like sick <laughs> you know so there's like several different types of like journalism and some of it is good for ever for society and some of it is just like their blood sucking you know 
yeah, I mean, that does happen too. So Gail is more like that, or that's like her job, or that's like what she does professionally. But we, we kind of get to know her better later on. So, oh, this conversation. So we go inside and Tatum's like, Sydney, meet me right here after class. And I'm like, she's so caring. <clears throat> and then she's like, so is Billy really mad? And Stu's like, no, after you bring in the, what, after you bring in the candy man? No, his heart's broken. And it's like, you know, Tatum kind of hits him like, don't, don't, <laughs> don't act this one. But he is, I mean, he's not, he's just like, you know, telling her she asked, but <laughs> Matthew Lillard is a joy to watch at every moment that he's on screen. And it doesn't matter what movie he's in. <clears throat> like he's, he's the best and probably maybe the only good thing about all the Scooby-Doo movies. Uh, 13 Ghosts, he's amazing. Like <laughs> I, I, anything that I watch Matthew Lillard in, I'm so glad he's there. I'm always just. So happy to see him. But anyway, he's just a delight to watch no matter what's going on. But um, So this dude comes running down the hall wearing the scream, you know, with the ghost face costume. And is like yelling and like freaking people out. And it freaks Sydney out. Like she's, she's you know, <laughs> it's triggering. It's not, it's not helpful. And uh, <clears throat> she's like, why are they doing this? And Stu's like are you kidding me? It's like Christmas here. And like Tatum hits him with her sucker. <laughs> She's like, hits him right in the forehead with a sucker. And he's like, ow. But they make kind of like this cute couple. If things were different, <laughs> they would be like a cute couple. But anyway, Sydney runs off and then she runs directly into Billy. And he's like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. And he's like, you don't think I, you don't still think I did it. And she's like, no, I don't, you know? And, She's like, I got a call last night. And he's like, see, it couldn't have been me. I was in jail, remember? And he holds up his hand and shows her his fingers. Like, look, you know, he's still got fingerprinting ink on his fingers. And it's like, okay, victim, dude. Okay, you're the victim here. Whatever. He's like, so what's wrong? And she's like, what's wrong? I was attacked and nearly filleted last night. Like, you know, she was attacked by a person who was, I mean, she knows it's the killer. She knows what he did to Casey and Steve. So it's like. And he attacked her. It's like, and he's like, the police said I scared him off or whatever. Okay. Um, <clears throat> who cares? And I guess that's obviously, uh, you know, not, not true. And um, <clears throat> so, but she's like, what's wrong? You know, I was attacked last night. He's like, I mean, with us. And I'm like, oh, men, I can't deal with men. He's like, I mean, with us. And she's like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, you want to talk about a relationship right now? And it just reminds me of this episode of Batwoman I was watching where this woman and her boyfriend were tied up together. This this villain tied them up and was going to kill them. And he wanted to talk about their relationship. And she's like, can we not right now? We have other things to think about. And he's like, come on, why don't you want to talk about a relationship? And she's like, we are tied up, like, by a villain getting ready to be murdered. This is not the time. Oh, and this is, oh my gosh. It was like so infuriating. And this is Billy right now. Even if he were innocent, it's like, I mean, what's up with us? And it's like, she's not thinking about that right now. It doesn't freaking matter. Like, are you freaking kidding me? And he's like, well, you've never been the same since, you know, your mom died. And she's like, 
I can't believe you're bringing this up. And it's like, why is he so dumb? Like, if he, even if he was innocent, this is so dumb and stupid. And I, what is wrong with men? Like, this is so typical, too. It's like, I mean, why can't we have sex is basically what he's asking. It's like, can you please get over yourself? Yeah. He's like, it's been a year. And she's like, tomorrow, one year tomorrow. And he's like, well, I think it's time you got over that. You don't tell people when to get over stuff. I, I can't. I can't. This reminds me of that scene in uh, The Princess Bra or Princess Diaries. Whenever she's like, your dad's been dead two months. It's How long is it going to take you to get over this? And I'm like, you're even supposed to be her friend. Like, what is wrong with people? And he's like, when my mom left my dad, I accepted it. <laughs> Dude, watching your mom get raped and murdered and, and finding her like that for one thing, is no. Even if her mom just died of a, like, being sick, she's dead. She's dead. She's like, your mom left town. Mine's, she's not lying in a coffin somewhere. Thank you, Sydney, for bringing, for, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, my mom left, and I accepted it. Well, first of all, no, you didn't. You went psycho and killed people for it, which is, like, pathetic. It's like, your mom just left your dad. And you're like the biggest, like, I can't even, I can't even. Mm. And him being like, you need to get over that. Her mom was murdered and you, and it's only been a year and you're like, you need to get over that. Freaking no, she doesn't need to get over it. Like, I mean, she probably needs therapy, but <laughs> he definitely needs therapy more. But I'm like, it's not bad. It's not, it's not for you to say. You don't go around telling people when to get over stuff. You know, like freaking oh i would i would i would push him down those stairs i would push him down those stairs I, I like oh my gosh he's supposed to be you know he's not even trying to be understanding he's trying to like oh what a jerk like even if he was not the killer no 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 not okay with him being like this nope this is not okay <laughs> i mean seriously i'm glad she told him off he's like i want She's like, your mom left town. She's not lying in a coffin somewhere. And I'm like, thank you. Because obviously he's, that's so, he's like, you're right. It's a bad analogy. I would say so, sir. I would say so. And she's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, I just want my girlfriend back. And she's like, I'm sorry that my traumatized life is like a hindrance to your perfect existence. And he's like, oh, nobody said that. And he yells after her, but she leaves. And he, he like, you know, hits himself in the head kind of. And it's like stupid. And it's like. That's an understatement. You are definitely stupid. So they're not getting along. <laughs> and then we <laughs> go to um, Principal Henry. And I love seeing him, too. He's one of these people that I'm just always excited to see. I love Fonzie. Like, I just like Henry Winkler. But he's like, you make me sick. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's a great line to come cut exactly to that line after Billy acting like that because that is very appropriate but he's talking to these people that um I like this and some people might watch this now and be like gosh this is an overreaction I don't think it is I I, I, th I like this principle because like I said they usually have these like principles who are like we're gonna follow the rules you know they're always like the authority you know the authoritarian type and he's just a person and he's putting his personal feelings into this. And I'll, I'm like, this is more realistic, actually. <laughs> I, I disagree with his comments about, like, your entire generation, blah, blah, blah. It's like, 
this is not <laughs> it's you know i don't like general like you know doing that but anyway but he was like this is you know your two of your fellow students were savagely murdered and this is how you show your compassion and i'm like honestly like he should be mad people should tell them this is not and they're like if it's a joke, that's not fair. And he's like, you're right. It's not fair. Fair would be to cut your insides out and expose you for the, like, he just tells them off. And I'm like, I don't disagree with him. Like, he he's like, you know, seriously, they're being super insensitive and somebody needs to put them in their place. You know, honestly. <laughs> and he's like, this is not fair. Oh, you're right. Like, but. I mean, this is kind of the movie trying to make him look a little suspicious because he's talking about your whole entire generation disgusts me. And it's like, is he the killer? Is he just mad at teens? Is he just like being an okay boomer? Like, what's going on? Um, but no, I mean, obviously not. But, you know, the, that that's what the movie's doing is making him sort of a suspect. And he, he like basically attacks them with scissors <laughs> and tells them he should gut them and hang them from a tree. <laughs> And it's like, wow. I mean, but, you know, they are being stupid. And uh, they do kind of deserve this. Like, not not what he says he's going to do, but him just saying it. Like, yeah. <laughs> they need told off. Like, the one girl's wearing a cheerleading outfit. Like, Sydney goes in the bathroom and then, like, she hears that there's people in there. So she hides in one of the stalls and, like, they're just victim blaming and being like, she lied to get attention. It's like, why? Why would anybody ever do that? Like, that is the dumbest thing. But anyway, um, she, you know, the cheerleading girl, the, the girl that's not the cheerleading girl, her outfit is the most 90s, disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, her entire outfit is probably, I'm going to put that at the number one spot for the worst outfit in this entire movie. Like, yeah yeah it is like she's wearing this like lime green hair clip her haircut is like bad the other girl could fit in any times you know like she's she's just wearing a cheerleading outfit and her hair looks semi-normal <laughs> it's like she could fit her her whole look could fit in anywhere but she's terrible her personality but anyway the other girl's outfit is just awful but this girl's like saying like maybe sydney did it and she's like Maybe she wants Steve. And she's like, why would she want Steve? She has her own bubble butt boyfriend, Billy. And I'm like, I never even looked at his butt. It's his hair and his face that's hot, actually. But whatever. Um, even though Billy sucks, Skeet is still hot. But anyway, he didn't look that good in the craft. Like, he had this short, like, curly hair. And it's like, what's up with that? But whatever. Um, so... She's like, maybe she's a slut, just like her mother. And it's like, can we not be slut-shaming people, you know? Like, this whole movie is, like, slut-shaming Sydney and her mom. Like, this is, she's, this, ugh. And she's like, the girl's like, the other girl's like, cut her some slack. She watched her mom get butchered. And I'm like, thank you, random girl with the worst outfit in this movie. Like, for having some sensitivity. And she's like, she she's kind of defending Sydney, like, a little bit, but... You know, this girl has this whole spiel about, like, Sydney went crazy and killed people because, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, um, the girl's like, where'd you get this stuff? And she's like, Ricky Lake. And it's like, yeah, no, we don't need to be learning about psychology from daytime TV. Like, <laughs> you know, that's a terrible, terrible idea. But anyway. Sydney's like in the bathroom stall like crying and like feeling bad about herself and she, that girl's like you're pathetic and then like when they leave she's like whispers to herself pathetic and it's like 
she didn't call you pathetic. She called the other girl pathetic, you know? So it's like, I, I mean, it's terrible. Victim blaming garbage and gossip and dumb people being just horrible, you know? But Sydney's taking it pretty hard. And it's like, who wouldn't, though? And she's like, this is what people think of me. And, like, she, how do you, you know, how do you sit there and not say anything? But, like, she just, it's, it's kind of sad. It's like, what? She deserves better than this, like, honestly, and people are terrible. And that's just, that's because pe people do act like this. I mean, and it's not just their generation. People have always acted like this, and this is, like, <sighs> so annoying. <clears throat> and, like, I don't know if they'd be slut-shaming as much now, but, like, they would be coming up with something. Like, sh sh some people would anyway, so, yeah, they don't hair but this is just ridiculous and then we have this creepy scene where sydney sees uh hears a noise and looks under the stalls and blah 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 and then like this is a very good like creepy scene and i'm pretty sure this is the real killer like it just seems very realistic like i i just don't because the other boys were like screaming and being like woohoo <laughs> scary this feels more realistic <laughs> this feels more like the real killer doing this and I don't know if it's Billy or Steve but they heard the whole daggone conversation whoever it was and you would think they would have some sympathy but you know neither of them have any for anybody so it's like it's so weird to me that Stu is like part of this because it's like I mean he doesn't seem sensitive he does seem kind of insensitive but like he just doesn't seem like a killer you know but I guess you know whatever it's just like this whole we'll get to that later but it's the whole teenage boy of like how many teenage boys actually they're just so taught to not have feelings that it's like I feel like any teenage boy is capable of this like I feel like this is their whole thing it's like they don't care about people like honestly <clears throat> like most men from a certain age on you know, until they get, like, a lot older, just, there's a period of time where that's just, like, they're taught that they're not supposed to have any feelings, and they just don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's so, I mean, not all of them, but, like, this whole, like, toxic masculinity thing where it's, like, I, I just, I don't even think it's rare for Stu to not, like, think about how his actions affect other people. You know what I mean? Like, he's a teenage boy, so that's his, that's actually common for him to be like, I don't even think he thinks of it as, like, killing people. I don't think he sees people as people. You know, I don't think he even gets the gravity of what he's doing. <laughs> he's just like, I'm doing this. You know, he knows how he feels, but he doesn't care. You know, other people are not humanized in his mind, because I feel like that's how most people his age, most boys his age feel. It's like he's the only one that truly exists and nobody else really matters. Like, I really think that's how a lot of people feel. It's like, you know, this is like, I don't know. <clears throat> but anyway. <sighs> we'll get to that later. When, when all is revealed. Because it's just kind of more confusing with Stu. It's like, he's there for the shock factor or what? Like, what is his... Because Billy is a psychopath, but he ha he has, like, a motive, you know, it's a dumb 
motive, but he Stu is like it's like he's doing it for fun, you know? And it's like, does he even realize what he's actually doing? Does he even understand the gravity of what he's doing? Like, I just don't think so. And the person in the bathroom with her, like, whispers her name. And it sounds a lot like Billy. Like, it sounds a lot like Billy. I don't know who they used, actually, but it just sounded like Billy. <laughs> this, I could see this being creepy, like, as heck, if you were, like, if this was happening. <laughs> the thing about this costume is like when you see it up close it's glittery it's all, like got glitter on it <laughs> it's like y'all y'all that's kind of weird i mean it's kind of not as scary when you realize it has freaking glitter on it but anyway um it's like a cheap costume store costume you know and this, i think the show or the movie itself like just went and got like a cheap thing or something but anyway there's like a reporter talking about it and She's like, who's next? It's like, really? <laughs> a really sensitive lady. And then Dewey comes up and, like, Scale interrupts. And she's like, you know, this whole scene where she's, like, flirting with him. And she's like, he's like, everything's under control. And she's like, of course it is. You're here. And it's like, this is not subtle at all. <laughs> like, this is the least subtle flirting in the history of the world. And she's trying to flirt with him to get information. She's obviously trying to use him. But, I mean, she actually does like him. Like, you know what I mean? She ends up, you know, I don't know if she likes him in this moment. At this moment. But <laughs> that's going to be my thing from now on, guys. It's going to be so hard to stop doing that. Just like it's hard. Like, <clears throat> you know. Uh, I picked up something from How I Met Your Mother. Even though that's not, like, my favorite show or anything. Like, I have a lot of complaints. But, like. There's this thing that Robin and Ted do where somebody says a word and they do that, like, salute. It's, like, in the general area and then they, like, salute and be, like, general area. <laughs> That's just, I'm just, like, I like that. That That is so how my mind works, too. <laughs> like, when people, anyway. So, anyway, um, yeah, Gail's highlights and she's wearing the brightest red ever. It's, like, her lipstick is, like, the worst lipstick I've ever seen in my life. And, like, Courtney Cox is doing a great job, but it's, like... Could they make the, uh, her costume design and her makeup and all that, her hair and makeup and costumes are designed specifically to make her look like a cheesy reporter. Like she's supposed to look cheesy. And um, so it works, I guess. But she really stands out as like looking cheesy 90s. And just, but that's that's what they're trying for, you know. But um, here she is flirting with Dewey and... Um, <laughs> It's just so hard not to think about Scary Movie, even though I don't like that very much at all, really. But some of it's funny and it sticks with you because it's like Deputy Doofy on there. And it's like the twist at that ending was maybe better than the twist at this ending because it's like, what if it was him? You know, what if he, like, sorry to spoil Scary Movie for people, but like Doofy wasn't actually Doofy all along and he was this cool guy, but he was like the killer all along. And it's like, you know, uh, he, I don't know, or I guess he was a killer, I haven't seen it very many times, but, like, he, he was faking being dumb, and it's, like, this is kind of, I feel like Dewey's not doing that, <laughs> but, like, he's, he comes across as really dumb, but, like, I don't think he's dumb, I think he's just, like, awkward, you know, there's a difference. So they like flirt with each other and she's like, looks like we got a serial killer on our hands. And he's like, 
that's not really accurate. I have to knock up a couple more, you know, for that title. And he kind of looks psycho when he says it. And she's like, oh, well, we can hope. And he like, he's like, gee whiz. And uh, it's just all fun. Like this, their interactions are all super fun to me. And like, they're married at this point, I think. Um, or they, they got together on this movie. I can't remember, but that, you know, they eventually did get married for like ever, but it's cute. He's like, you're much prettier in person. And he's like, she's like, so you do watch this show. And he's like, I'm 25. I was 24 for a whole year. Cause she says like, she's most popular with males 11 to 24. And he, you know, um, but, uh, there's an announcement. Everybody knows. I don't know why I keep describing this, but this is just, you know, but, you know, this is the part where they're like, all classes are closed and there's a citywide curfew, 9 p.m., blah, 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 and everybody's like, whatever, and everybody's happy that they get out of classes. And then Sydney and Tatum come out of the school and they're like talking about it and she's like, I know it was him, Tatum. Like Sydney, and I think she's right. I think the person in the bathroom was like the actual killer because they were being stealthy, you know. And it's like, I don't think their intention is to kill her. Like when they attacked her at her house, I don't think he was trying to kill her. I don't think he was trying to seriously kill her. I think they were trying to freak her out because it's not time yet, you know. They have a specific plan, you know what I'm saying? So, um, <clears throat> they want to do it on a certain day. Uh, unless they were going to kidnap her and hold her for a day or two or whatever, but I don't think they were going to kill her that day or in the bathroom. I think the plan was to freak her out, torture her, and terrorize her because they're evil. <laughs> so Tatum tells her, like, you P.I.P., you're not peeing alone anymore. <laughs> and, um, you know, Stu comes up and he gives them flowers. He's like, we all say thank you, Sydney, for whatever you did. <sighs> and, um, then he's like, I want to have a party at my house. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're already, this is planned out. Like, he's not as dumb as he's acting or, or Stu told, or, yeah, Billy told him what to do. But whatever. Um, <clears throat> so he's planning a party, you know, and, uh, which I don't think it's necessarily a terrible idea if, like, <laughs> you know, it's because it's, like, more people there. It's like, this is so typical teen you know, slasher film parties. You have to have a party in a teen slasher film where that's where the bloodbath happens. You know what I mean? Like, but, you know, uh, it seems like a good idea because, you know, there's safety in numbers, you know, but I guess that's what they're thinking. And he's like, you know, I love this whole scene. This is just cute. All of it. And it's like, if he was innocent, this would be, yeah, I would be, like, rooting for him and Tatum's relationship and all this other stuff. He's like, you guys bring food, all right? And it's like, but it's your house. Like, it's your party. What? Don't make them whatever. He said it's going to be a small party, which it is. It doesn't, it doesn't really blow up that much. Um, and then we cut to, uh, and she, you know, Sydney finally agrees. And, like, Tatum's outfit is cute as heck. And Sydney just looks... I don't like her outfit, but it's definitely not as terrible as that girl with the purple shirt with the green hair clip and khaki pants with a belt. It's like, ugh, that whole thing was awful. And they were like hot water khaki pants, too. <laughs> anyway. So, then we cut to uh, Principal Henbury, the Fonz, 
um he's playing with the mask and we hit this whole thing where somebody knocks on the door and I don't even know why this is happening but like ski or Stu already left like he he was out there with them planning this party so this must be Billy maybe or unless Stu came back in I don't know but um here's a knock on the door and there's nobody there and then uh he goes looking around and he's like stupid little you know whatever and then there's a guy mopping <laughs> he's a janitor but he's dressed like Freddy Krueger and that's Wes Craven like dressed up but it's like an homage you know that's like a it's like a what's it called gosh it's too early for this a cameo by Wes Craven and he's dressed like Freddy Krueger and uh he's like what'd you say to me what'd you call me and he's like not you Fred so his name is Fred like the janitor's name is Fred and he's dressed like Freddy Krueger <laughs> and it's like okay wasn't Freddy Krueger a custodian I, I can't remember I, did, I only watched that first one and only once and it wasn't even my choice <laughs> so um but yeah Hembry like looks around and it's effective at being creepy because once he leaves the, you know, somebody knocks on his office and obviously runs away. And then once he goes to, like, look at other places, they probably sneak in his office. And then he he scares his own self by, like, holding the mask. He sees the mask in the mirror and it scares him. Like, he's freaked out. Like, this is so realistic. He's, like, scaring himself. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, the killer is actually hiding behind the door and kills him and... That's really sad because, you know, whatever. But I don't even know why they killed him. What is the point? Like, why him? Like, the other ones kind of make sense when you find out who it is. Because it's like, oh, his ex-girlfriend. His current girlfriend. You know, things like that. But why the principal? I guess maybe he, maybe they never liked the principal. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I know he's used as, like, a distraction later. There was, like, I feel like that was planned out and, and like, t timed perfectly. I'll get to that when we get there. But, like, why, why this guy? Is it, like, it seems like they planned it. Like, they, they specifically went after the principal on purpose. And it's, like, why him? Like, it just, <sighs> motives are incidental, I guess. But, <laughs> It's the millennium. Motives are incidental. But anyway, it's, it just seems like the rest of them have sort of a motive. And it's like, what do you got against this principal? Like, leave him alone. And, like, the janitor doesn't know what's going on in there. Like, how do they get past him? I don't uh, Whatever. So, <laughs> after they kill Principal Henry, um, we hear, like, school's out, blah, blah, blah. This is, like, such a classic scene. Like, the soundtrack of this and the score is just exactly what it should be, but Tatum is talking to- it's at Tatum's house, so I guess her mom's, like, cool with her putting a radio out in the freaking window, but they're, like, sitting on the porch talking, and Tatum's all like, maybe your mom was a slut. No, like, I mean, not really, but she kind of doesn't slut shame as bad as the others, but she's like- you know, she's like, maybe your mom and Cotton were having an affair. She's like, you know, your dad was out of town a lot. Maybe your mom was just really unhappy, you know, basically with her marriage. And she's not trying to slut shame, but it's like, this is a little unhelpful. But it's not as bad as I, because I was thinking it was much worse. But, like, 
she's like, how come he couldn't prove it in court? And Tatum's like, uh, you can't prove a rumor. That's why it's a rumor. And she's like, you know, and plus it goes further back. You know, she, she, there's been talk about other men, too, that she was having an affair with. And Sydney's like, you know. So that means Cotton, you know, the killer's still out there. And she's like, chill out. You're tra- you're starting to sound like some West Carpenter flick. And I'm like, you're the one that brought it up, I guess. Maybe. I don't feel like Tatum brought this conversation up, though. Like, totally. I feel like Sydney's just telling her what those girls said in the bathroom. And Tatum's like, you know, maybe it is true. <laughs> and it's like, dude, way to be a friend. But, like, I, she's she's trying to talk about it sensitively compared to, like, the other people. But. it's not exactly sensitive but it is more so than the other people um but I'm like why even talk about this if we're not talking about the fact that like the killer could still be out there honestly like why why even like why does it matter (laughs) you know what I mean and why does it matter if what really matters is if Cotton Weary was innocent or not like it doesn't matter if he was having an affair with Sydney's mom you know, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, because I guess the only reason it would matter would be like if it, they weren't having an affair while it was caught in there at all. But it doesn't matter why he was there. He was there. But uh, if he was innocent, you know, he could have just been hanging out there talking to her. It doesn't freaking matter. What matters, <laughs> it doesn't matter if her mom was a slut. You know, her her sluttiness has no it bearing on whether Cotton's innocent or not. So really that's not the conversation that we need to be having was your mom a slut or not the conversation needs to be like is the killer still out there because her mom being a slut doesn't actually matter you know it just doesn't (laughs) unless of course somebody found out that you know Sydney's mom was having an affair with Billy's dad and uh then they would know that Billy had a stronger motive so (laughs) you know that would help if they knew about that, but they don't anyway, so yeah. This is so great. This uh video store scene, because Sydney and Tatum are getting ready to go, you know, shopping, I guess. But <laughs> Stu and Randy are having a conversation at the video store and like, I miss video stores <laughs> and CD stores. But anyway. <laughs> Um, Stu is likable still, like, even though I know, like, he's still likable, but he is obviously, like, it's so obvious that he's, like, taking up for Billy. He's like, he's, if you were the only suspect at a murder, like, would you be standing in the horror section? And Stu's like, well, he didn't do anything. It's like, yeah, you really want him to think that, right? (laughs) Like, he's so, like, trying to, and, uh, Randy goes on the spiel about stuff, and it's so funny because one point, Steve's like, or Stu is like, why would he want to kill his girlfriend? And he's like, there's always some stupid BS reason to kill your girlfriend. And, like, this woman behind Randy hears him and, like, looks up like, the heck? You know, and it's, like, so funny. If you watch the people around him, if you watch this enough, because if you watched it a thousand times like I have, like, you know exactly what's going to happen. So you can kind of, like, look at the people around them. And if you watch them, it's really funny. It's like, what is Billy even doing over there flirting with those girls? Like, you're also going to cheat? It's not enough that you're a serial killer? You have to cheat, too? 
Like you're flirting with these girls. Come on, man. But anyway, I mean, I don't know that he's flirting, but he's talking to some girls. And um, <clears throat> it's whatever. But uh, I love this entire conversation. <laughs> I just, it's so fun to watch. Oh my gosh, this is so dumb. But uh, I like this because he's like simplicity. That's that's the beauty of it all, simplicity. Besides, if it gets too complicated, you lose your target audience. That's exactly, I think about that a lot. Because it's like, that is great advice for writing too. And it's like, you you know, not that things have to be simple and dumb, but like, you know, you don't need a bunch of thousands of branching off plot lines. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's just a mess. You know what I mean? It's just messy. And, uh, it, it can be smart and simple at the same time. Um, plus with horror movies, I feel like simplicity is great for horror movies. That's what Halloween excels at that. Um, yes, I said Halloween, <laughs> like the other one. Um, I'll get to that when I talk about Halloween, but and this as well is kind of simple too, but <sighs> it needs to be simple. And I love how the show, this movie is meta and that like they're talking about horror movies and inside of it. You know what I mean? That's so meta. And um he's like, Well, what's his reason, you know, for wanting to kill Sydney? He's like, Maybe she wouldn't have sex with him. Oh my gosh. Like that is such a bad reason. Like, if that were the case, that would be such a terrible thing, you know? Like, you're really no. I I just ugh gross. Tell me a better person for this role than Matthew Lillard. Like, tell me a better person. He's so perfect at this. He's like, oh, okay, you know, he's like, what, is she saving herself for you? And he's like, maybe. Do you think Sid would go out with me? And he's like, oh, you know, he acts like, he, you know. And then he's like, no, I don't at all, no. <laughs> and, like, I think about that line so much. Like, when people are talking, they're like, what do you think, this conspiracy is true? And I just want to show them this exact moment where he's like, no, I don't at all. No. <laughs> like, I think I recorded this at some point and, like, just had it at the ready in case I needed to say that to someone because it's such, this would make such a good gif, you know? Like, it needs to have his tone, though. I want it to be a short video where you can actually hear him because his tone is amazing. It's so dripping with, like, such, like, <laughs> such a feeling. It's such a mood. And, like, I just love Matthew Lillard. He is doing this perfectly. And Jamie Kennedy, this is his best role ever. Like, honestly, it really is. It really is his best role ever. Like, I know he was in Romeo and Juliet with pink hair. <laughs> and you would think that that would get more attention. But, no, this is his best role ever. Maybe his only good role, really. But <laughs> Randy is great. And, uh... Not great, exactly. He He's kind of like the friend who's like the nice guy, you know, that wants the girl, but he's in the friend zone, you know. But he's not too annoying about it. You know what I mean? Like, he, he's not overly annoying about it. But it's like, you have never been nice to Sydney. Like, he, he's never been, he's never, he, but he's not like obsessed with her either. So it's like, it's, it's not too annoying. But, whatever. But, uh. At least he's not overly annoying about it. And Stu is, like, funny as heck and, and likable. He's still likable. The poor guy is just... He's just so... Like, 
Randy tells him, like, you're such a little lap dog about Billy. And it's like, he, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. This is exactly what this is. Like, he just does whatever Billy tells him. And, and he really just does. Like, you know, I think that's really mainly the thing. It's so great because Stu's trying to push him on to, like, suspecting Sydney's dad. She's like, I think it's her father. Why can't they find her pops, man? And uh, <laughs> Randy goes off. He's like, there's a simple, a very simple formula. <laughs> Everybody's a suspect. You know, he, like, freaks out and yells. And uh, everybody, like, turns and looks at him. And uh, <laughs> Stu does this great move where he, he like, moms smoking pot. It's just, he's like, calm down, man. But, like, it's so hilarious and great. And he's like, <laughs> Randy's like, I'm telling you, it's Billy. And he turns around and runs smack into Billy. And Billy grabs his collar. And I'm like, dang, this is hot. Like, I know I don't like Billy, but he's he's so hot. And uh, he's like, how do we know you're not a, the killer? And he, he like, maybe your movie freak mind lost his reality. But, and it's like, a, you know, he, he's actually aware of, like, you know, what to say here. And, like, what's, you know, he's actually good at, like, he knows this stuff, too. Like, Randy talks about movies and all this and like how they work but Billy also understands it <laughs> he's like maybe you know and he's like you're right I'm the first to admit it if this were a horror movie I'd be the a suspect or whatever and like Stu is just giddy for this interaction he loves doing this you know he loves that Billy is like attacking Randy basically and he he gets to watch like he he, he gets so much joy out of like terrifying people and it's like this is a little bit of his psychopathy um he's actually just so joyous about it and he's thinking what would be your motive and randy's like it's millennium motives motives are incidental and like billy's like millennium i like that like he he's like good kid and like slaps him on the face like not like hard he just like pats him on the face and like pinches his nose and it's like, y'all, I, I, I just feel like these actors are having, like, so much fun with this. But it's just, like, <laughs> this whole scene. And it's, like, Billy grabbing him by the collar. And it's, like, he is scary, but it's, like, hard for me to differentiate. <laughs> like, he's, he's so hot that it's, like, I'm supposed to be scared, I guess. But, like, he's hot. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> so Billy just, like, walks away. He's, like, you know, whatever. And uh, Randy turns to Stu, and Randy trusts Stu more. You know what I mean? Like he he he's scared of Billy, but Stu he's not really scared of. And he's like, "You're telling me that's not a killer?" <laughs> it's like, seriously though, like he he doesn't. Billy doesn't act once you know who it is. Like Stu never acts like a killer, even when it's revealed he's a killer. But like. On the reverse of that, like, once you know it's Billy, you can, he he acts suspicious the whole entire freaking time. Like, once you know, you know. But it's like, if I were watching this for the first time right now, I'll be like, it's definitely not Billy because they're making him look too suspicious. You know, <laughs> it's like the reverse red herring, I guess. And then we get the song drop. The best song ever for this movie this is like the song that i've never heard it anywhere outside of this movie and every time i would if i've ever if i would ever hear it outside of this movie i would on like i would instantly 
this is like <laughs> yeah this is yeah the raised right hand or whatever yeah this song is exactly well you'll hear it in a second yeah that song red right hand I can't play any of it really like just little clip snippets but because you know I don't want to get removed um and it's just like a scene the song's playing over a scene of like the whole town just shutting down and then Dewey pulls up I guess he take he's taking the girls to the grocery store <laughs> as if he could protect them <laughs> <laughs> so Sydney's just like pretty knowledgeable about horror movies too and she's like wow it's you know uh, ghost town basically and she's like it's like the town that dreaded sundown and uh Dewey's like yeah I saw that movie it's about a killer in Texas huh like I just like how he says it <laughs> he just talks funny but fun fact um, the town that dreaded sundown is based off an actual thing that happened that's like super interesting um, it, it's based on a real killing in Texas, Texarkana, and the town is called Texarkana, and, um, this guy was continuously, like, um, killing people at this place, like, called Lover's Lane or something, like, he would kill couples or try to, and then this one girl, like, left there around that same time, and, like, she just disappeared, and it's like, I don't know, to me that's super interesting. It's it's like, and she disappeared, but then, like, people kept thinking they saw her at different places. And it's just, like, it just reminds me so much of Allison from Pretty Little Liars. Like, there was a killer. If, if A was, like, actually killing the girls, but Allison got away, you know? Like, yeah. Like, because he killed, like, five girls. And then, like, that one girl was, like, they were all friends, kind of. And, like, the one girl that, like, went missing, she was, like, friends with them. But she disappeared. And it's, like, was he targeting a specific group of girls? And then, like, she got away and then she went in, she just, like, ran away from town and, like, faked her own, like, disappearance. Like, it's just really interesting, you know, to think about. But, um, Yeah. It's just an interesting story. It's from a very long time ago, but yeah, that movie is based on that. But I think it was mostly focused on the killings and didn't really go into like that girl um, who went missing and like I, to me, it's like she got away. You know? And uh, Anyway. Because it's like, you watch these movies like Pretty Little Liars and from the outside, what does it look like? You know what I mean? Like, we know that they're being stalked by A, but like you know, on the outside, it would just look like, oh, this stuff happened to them, you know? So it's like, what were, you know, what was actually going on in that town? You know, like, what was actually happening? Because it's kind of weird that, like, one girl who kind of knew all the other girls that got murdered, like, she got, she, she, like, disappeared and went on the run and was, like, traveling around the United States. Like, it just feels like there was something going on. And not that there was, like, something wrong with them, but, like, what was he, you know, what was going on? But anyway, um, it's kind of cute, because Dewey's like, you girls don't go too far. 
It's like, you're not their dad. You're barely older than them. And uh, <laughs> he's like, I'll just be a few minutes. What is the important thing he has to go do? He has to give, get some strawberry, strawberry ice cream cone. Like, seriously, he makes ice cream look so good. But, like, it's just so funny that that's what he goes and gets some ice cream. <laughs> anyway, they go in the grocery store and they're, like, shopping. I'm going to have some things to say about their choices. Okay, they're buying snacks for this party and they get two bags of, like, tortilla chips. That's fair. A box of popsicles? Which is like, okay, that's also fair. But then Sydney gets like a one pint of ice cream and throws it in and it's like, who's that for? Like, one person? I mean, one or two people. Like, that's enough to feed, like, at the most, four people. You know what I mean? Like, it's so weird. It's like, that's not a party size ice cream. <laughs> it's like the smallest pint you can get, pretty much. It's like the smallest you can get of ice cream. And she puts it in there. And I'm like, that's not for the party. Like, surely not. <laughs> that's not a party size serving of ice cream. It's so weird. She's just throwing random things in there. But anyway, they're talking about how Sydney's like, maybe Billy's right. Because I won't let him touch me. I can't relax when he touches me. And it's like... That's a warning sign. <laughs> like, you should trust that feeling. Like, you you should trust your own feelings. Like, you don't even... And, but Tatum is kind of helpful because she's not, like... She's like, it's fine. You you have some intima intimacy issues after what happened with your mom. It's not that weird. And she's not wrong. And uh, Sydney's, like, feeling... She's, like, blaming herself and feeling like she's wrong for this. And it's like, you don't even need a reason, honey. If you don't feel comfortable with him touching you, don't let him touch you. It's not, you know, you don't have to do this. You know what I'm saying? Um, Tatum is actually being helpful because she's like, it's okay. And Sydney's like, but Sydney wants to, but she she wants to be comfortable with it. So it's like, you know... I don't, I don't know. That's kind of hard to deal with because it's like, if you have intimacy issues, but you want to do the things that you can't do, it is kind of hard. You know what I mean? Because it's like, she wants to do these things, but she can't bring herself to. And it's like, that is a sign that you probably shouldn't be with Billy. Like, trust your instincts, for one. But at the same time, you know... I can see why, because it's not like he's forcing her to do things she doesn't want to do, because she wants to do the things. It's just that, like, she has, like, issues, and it's, like, it's kind of understandable that she she actually, you know, because that, that, that's a possibility. Like, you want to do the things, but, like, your body is still traumatized. You know what I mean? Like, your mind is not... You know, your mind wants you to do the things, but your body is still traumatized. <laughs> like, that's actually a thing. So, uh, you know, I kind of feel for her there because it's like, she shouldn't try to talk herself into it because she shouldn't have to do these things. But like, what is your motivation? You know what I mean? It's like, do you want to do these things for you? Or like, do you want to do these things because Billy wants you to? Because <laughs> if it's just for him... Don't do it. But if you if it's because you want to, you know, maybe talk to a therapist about, you know, the trauma you're holding in your body. 
but anyway, because there's a difference. I mean, and you got to figure it out. It's kind of hard to separate, like, do I want to do this because I want to do this or do I want to do this because he wants me to do this? And it's like, you know, you really got to think about it <laughs> and like, if it's for yourself, you should try to fix it. But if it's just for him, maybe not, <laughs> you know, like maybe eventually, but not, don't do it for him. Do it for yourself. You know what I'm saying? <sighs> Looks like it's time for an ad break and we got almost a little over an hour left. Yikes. <laughs> we're back from, we're back from the ad break. Um, Tatum. It's like Billy and his penis don't deserve you. <laughs> What a lawn. And then we go to Dewey um, bringing his little ice cream cone um, to the sheriff and they talk about like Neil Prescott or whatever, like Sydney's dad. And uh, I just love this whole entire scene where like <laughs> Dewey is trying to mimic his like because he's smoking the sheriff is smoking a cigarette but Dewey's like on the reverse trying to mirror his like actions with like ice cream cone <laughs> and then like at the end the sheriff like throws a cigarette down and steps on it and Dewey just looks at his ice cream cone like I can't do that <laughs> like it's so hilarious because he's trying to act like a grown-up but it, he's got this ice cream cone and it's like the best thing ever it's like who decided to put this in here it's so great I like this I like Dewey being like this goofy guy Oh, and, like, when they were on the porch and in the grocery store, like, Ghostface just showed up, like, stalking Sydney and Tatum. And it's like, what are you even doing? Like, what are you even doing? Stu's house party. It's amazing. I don't understand why they have this, like, scene where, you know, we see Dewey's, like, cop jeep drive off. And then, like, the news van of Gail's, like, pulls up. And, like, they drop a full bag of, like, chips. Like, the bag's not full of chips, but it's, like, a whole empty bag of chips. Like, they throw out the window, and it's, like, glittering. I don't even get why they did that. But, anyway, there's a song playing over the thing. And, like, uh, Sydney and Tatum get out of Dewey's Jeep. And he's, like, have fun. You guys have fun, but not too much fun or I'll bust you. Like, he just seems like such a fun guy, you know, like, to be the cop. Like, I wish they were really like this. But anyway, um, you know, Gail has followed them there and she's going to try and find out some stuff. She's just being shady as heck. So, yeah. And Stu was like, you guys were tardy to the party, so we started without you. I was like, okay, dude. Okay. But his house is like freaking amazing. They even have like, on the second floor, there's like a, a stained glass window. And it's like, how did nobody go through that window at some point? Like... <laughs> I guess they didn't want to break it. <laughs> They're like, this is too special. It's too nice. Um, but it just seems like something they would have put somebody through. <laughs> like, I could just see somebody falling out of that. But anyway, like busting through the stained glass window, but nobody did. It's like, that's a Chekhov's window. You got to put somebody through the window. <laughs> it's a Chekhov's window there. But anyway, no. Nah. But <laughs> yeah, this is all just this little party typical high school party it's not like too full of people but they're partying their beer bongs of beer and whatever so gail was there and like dewey comes up and talks to her and she like gets this secret little tiny camera to take inside with her you know to hide and she's like all right <laughs> like she's ready to go and she's like all right and he's like 
yeah i'm fine <laughs> she's like i mean let's go it's like oh right and kenny's like kind of chuckling about this he thinks it's cute it's fine <sighs> you know so she's kind of using him to get in the party but you know she does kind of like she can't help but like him a little bit <sighs> is this necessary like <laughs> but anyway um yeah they go in the house and like they're all picking out scary movies to watch and randy's talking to sydney and blah 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 um, she's like, Jamie Lee Curtis is in all these movies. He's like, because she's a scream queen. And, like, they talk about boobs and stuff. And, uh, so Gail comes in with Dewey, and they're like, what is she doing here? And, like, she's like, Dewey, Dewey. Like, sitting <laughs> Jaden with me, I'm like, what is she doing? You know? And, yeah, that's all. And, like, Dewey grabs this kid's beer, and he's like, you're underage, son. And then he hands it back to him. He's like, I'm just kidding. Have a good time. <laughs> it's like, Oh, this is kind of cute. Like, I just find it endearing. And then Tatum, Stu, tells Tatum to go get a beer for him. And it's like, get your own daggone beer. He's setting this up. And then she opens the garage door and, like, hello. Like, it's so, like, boobalicious here. Like, it's, it's, okay. Like, is this necessary? Like, I'm not trying to sexualize her, but, like, the movie seems to be. And it's like, this is not necessary. And this is the outfit I was thinking she had on earlier. But this is the yellow top. It's not turtleneck like the other one. And, uh, the swirly, like, skirt. Her outfit's pretty cute. And, uh, yeah. So she goes in the garage and we're gonna see what happens there. No, is this not the same top she had on earlier? Because this also is a turtleneck. Like, uh, is this not the same top? It's a different skirt, but it's the same color palette skirt, and, like, the top looks the same. Okay, whatever. Man, this scene sucks. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't suck, but it's like, ugh, this sucks. So Tatum's getting beer, and then she tries to open the door, it won't open, she tries to open the garage door, it stops, she turns around, and there's Ghostface, and, like, you can really tell how glittery this outfit is. <laughs> like, it's so glittery. And, uh, she has some sarcastic lines. She's like, oh, you wanna play Psycho Killer? And he, like, nods, and she's like, can I be the helpless victims? And he nods, and, you know, just all this. We all know this. But I like her, like, sarcasm. And then, like, sh he cuts her with a knife to show her he's serious. And, uh, <clears throat> she, like, backs away, and she slams, like, his face with, <laughs> like, refrigerator door. And he, like, falls down. And she's, like, fighting him off really good. Like, she's doing a really good job of fighting him off. And she, she would make it out of this garage. But, you know, she tries to go through the doggy door. And, uh, it's like she can't fit, but I don't, <laughs> I feel like she probably could. But, <clears throat> anyway, like, he lifts the garage door and it's like, this is not ever going to happen. This was, this would not happen. Garage doors don't do this. This would not, <laughs> you know, it, they don't have that much power. But they just don't. Like, no, they're not super powerful. It would just stop in the middle, probably, but whatever. I mean, who cares? Uh, but it just sucks that Tatum died because she was the best thing about this movie. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know if she's the best thing about this movie, but, like, she's... I like her a lot. Like, I like her better than Sydney, honestly. Like, except for the fact that she's, like, a little bit slut-shame Sydney's mom. Just a little bit. Like, that's the only complaint I have about her at all. Like, this whole entire time, I love Tatum. Like, she, and she's pretty supportive of Sydney, even besides that. And, like, telling her, like, Billy and his penis don't deserve you. Like, she's right. Like, you don't need to do this. Like, she's not trying to 
like makes Sydney feel like she needs to hook up with Billy. And that's good. And it's rare for like movies like this, but I hate she's like, please don't kill me, Mr. Gooseface. I want to be in the sequel. And it's like, I wish you were. Like I wish I wish she was also a final girl, but okay. Whatever. Like we can keep Gail and Dewey and Randy, which I'm glad, but and Sydney, obviously, but it's like, come on, man. <laughs> Why not? Why can't we keep her? Like, I think I would probably trade Randy for her. Like, I'm sorry to everybody, but I feel like I might, yeah. Like, if she would have survived instead of Randy. Like, it, because of, especially because of what happened to him in, in the sequel. It's like, why did you carry him over to the sequel if you're just going to do that to him? <laughs> just let him die in the first one. Like, with some dignity. <laughs> but, of course, they needed him in the sequel to explain sequels to us, but whatever. But it's like... If you're gonna keep him for for the second one, just keep him the whole time. You know, you know what I'm saying. Like he he needs to stay alive the whole time. If you're gonna keep him alive, that's my complaint about the sequel. <laughs> but yeah, I, I wanted Tatum to live, but unfortunately, she had to go. I guess he just like slides back inside the house, and it's like so. I mean, what the heck? And um. <clears throat> that's kind of weird. Was that Stu? Like, you know what I mean? But then, uh, I, you know, because he went back in the house. You know? So it's like, who who was that? Which one? Because it seems like it's Billy because, like, we see Stu letting everybody out. And I guess the party's over. How long was it? Like, 15 minutes? Like, everybody's leaving. <laughs> it's like, it just started, I thought. But everybody's leaving. And uh, Stu, like, or Billy... <laughs> like jumps in front of the door like ah and like Sydney's there and she's like uh and like it's seriously like what was that about like what was that about but um he like raises his eyebrows at like Stu I guess sort of indicating like it's done you know I, I dug Tatum in <laughs> it seems like that's what he's saying but then like Sydney's like what are you doing here Tatum sees you here she'll draw blood and he kind of looks down like uh, already happened. Um, but anyway, you know, I guess we're supposed to assume that was Billy that did that to Tatum, but it's like the killer went back in the house after he killed Tatum. So it's like, was that Stu or Billy? I don't know. I want someone to tell me who did what so bad. You know, it's hard to watch it without trying to figure out who did what. But anyway, um, Stu is being cute as ever. He's like, you guys can go up to my parents' room and talk or whatever. You know, he's all cute. And uh, Randy comes up and he's like, what's Leatherface doing here? And he's like, all cute. He came to make up. And he's like, oh, there go my chances with Sydney. And it's like, what chances with Sydney? You didn't have a chance, honestly. Like, I'm sorry, but I don't think you did. And uh, <laughs> Stu verbalizes that. And he's like, whatever. He's like, as if. And uh, he's like, oh, really, Alicia? I mean, we know that's clueless. They're referencing clueless, obviously. But it's just like, this is all typical teen stuff. And now we care about these people. You know what I'm saying? Like, we care about all of these people. We know these characters. We care about them. Tatum dying sucked. You know, it's like, this is how you do a scary movie. You get people to care about the characters. So now, when we find out somebody's either dead or the killer... It, it should be upsetting because of who it is, you know? But anyway, we, we go to Kenny messing with the camera and 
uh, he sees what's going on and then Gail interrupts him and he's like, how are you here already? You're in the house. And then he sees her leaving the house. He's like, there's a 30 second delay. So that'll come into play. Um, the fact that there's a 30 second delay on the camera and that's all that, that's all that is. <laughs> Gail calls herself a cheesy tabloid journalist. <laughs> like she's, she's self-aware. At least she's self-aware. And then we cut to Billy and Sydney, and that's like the least chemistry I've ever seen between two people in a romantic scene in my entire life. I cannot believe she just said that. He's like, I want to apologize. I've been selfish. And she's like, no, Billy, I'm the one who's been selfish and self-absorbed with all this post-traumatic stress. And it's like, you have PTSD. Don't apologize for having PTSD. <laughs> like, Sydney, you don't need to apologize for having PTSD. No. So they name drop some movies and act like it makes sense. <laughs> She's like, I'm like the bad seed. And he's like, no, I get it. Like Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lands where she keeps seeing flashbacks of her dead father. And it's like, ugh, I mean, it's a stretch. I mean, it almost makes it. Uh, that's a reference, but it's, it's, a, it's a stretch. I'm, I'm not sure this is the same, but she's basically saying like, she doesn't want to end up like her mom like her mom was quote unquote slutty and she doesn't want to be slutty so she doesn't want to have sex with anybody and it's like she should not feel bad for wanting to sleep with her boyfriend but like <clears throat> she doesn't have to do it just to prove to herself you know what I mean like you have nothing to prove to anybody Sydney you can do whatever you want you don't need to do this like Listen to Tatum. Billy and his penis do not deserve you. <laughs> and also, just do what you want to do. But I feel like she is, like, not really doing this for him. That She's more so doing this for herself. You know, I feel like she actually is doing this for herself. And I do like how this movie is subverting the trope of, like, the final girl has to be a virgin. And Sydney is the only girl that we see have... A sex scene in this entire movie and so it's like you know she's the final girl even though she did that you know it's like so I like that the movie subverted that trope of like you don't get to live because you had sex it's like Sydney is the only girl that has a sex scene in the movie and it's like oh no you know and it's like she lost her virginity so she's got a die now and it's like no she doesn't you know, she she owned her own sexuality, so that's kind of good. I mean, despite the fact that she had sex with a serial killer, you know, I feel like she is doing it for herself. So I'm not really, you know, I'm not really saying that there's bad choice. I mean, he was a bad choice all along, but uh, I really don't feel like she's doing this just for him. Um, I feel like she really is just doing this you know she's trying to prove to herself that she doesn't need to be worried about being like her mom and if this is what she needs to do to prove that to herself like but it's like I'm not sure this is the healthiest way to get to that point but she wants to do this for herself so you know I can't really say this is like the most terrible thing but it's you know whatever uh, it's but it's him so it's kind of like yikes I do hate this thing they do in movies where she's like but this is not a movie this is real life I hate when people say that in movies I really hate that he's like yeah it is it's all one big movie and like 
again, I'm thinking of a scary movie where he's like, see, there's the cameraman. And it's like, you're pulling me out of this movie by saying that it's a movie. Like, or by saying it's not a movie. Every time there's a movie with that, like, people always say that in movies. Like, this is not a movie. It's real life. When they say that in movies, don't they know that takes people out of the experience? Like, I, I hate that. Maybe the worst line in this entire movie. Like, because I hate it when they say that. And so the rest of the kids are downstairs watching Halloween and discussing it and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Stu's just keeps saying, when do we see Jamie Lee's breast? You know, and he's like, no, no, no. You don't see them until this, blah, blah, blah. She's a virgin in horror movies. That's why she always outsmarts the bad guy. And it's the final girl, basically. He doesn't even know about final girls. I don't think they had this term back then, but he's like, it's one of the rules. And, and Stu's like, what rules? He's like, you don't know the rules? He's like, no. And he's like, you don't know the rules. And Stu's like, have an aneurysm on you. So, of course, Randy gets up. We know this and tells all the rules. And first rule is you can't have sex. And uh, Sydney breaks that rule. <laughs> We're breaking all these rules. And second rule is no drinking or drugs. You know, the sin factor. And then uh, the third one is don't ever say I'll be right back. But then um, they're all like, whatever. And, you know, Stu goes and he's like, I'm going to go get another beer. You want one? He's like, no, for sure or whatever. And he's like, okay, I'll be right back. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, <laughs> Randy's like, I'll see you in the kitchen with a knife. Um, you don't know how true that is, Randy. Only, <laughs> you know. But anyway. So Gail and what's this? Kenny are watching this. And she's, she's like, oh, boring. And it's like, hey, that's Randy. Telling the horror movie rules. It's not boring. But anyway. <laughs> um, Dewey comes and he's like. They reported a car. Somebody spotted a car in the bushes down the road. You want to come? And she's like. Are you sure it's okay? And he's like. Ma'am. I'm the deputy of this town. It's like. Oh. This is so. And then she says uh, something to Kenny. And she, and she says. I'll be right back to Kenny. And like. Her mouth doesn't even say those words. But like. It's voiceover. Whatever. I mean. Who cares? It's It's kind of a mistake. But. I don't care. And, um, but she says, I'll be right back. And it's like, um, did you not hear the rules? See, if you would have been paying attention. <laughs> and uh, that's just for us to be like, uh-oh, she said it. And of course, they turn the TV thing off. So Dewey doesn't see that they're spying on the kids. It's so funny that I'm calling them kids whenever all these people that are playing teenagers are old enough to be my parents. <laughs> like, honestly. <laughs> Okay, that might be one of my favorite lines of this movie because um, Dewey suggests that they walk because it's a nice night and he wants to be romantic. He's like, you're not scared, are you? And he holds the flashlight under his chin. She's like, no. And she's charmed. And he's like, see, this is why I think he kind of plays dumb more. This is kind of proof that he kind of plays a little bit dumber than he actually is. <laughs> he's like, do you know what that constellation is? And she's like, no, what is it? And he's like, well, I was kind of hoping you'd know that's why I asked <laughs> And it's like, that's a good joke. That's cute. Like, he's, he's, that's cute. I like that. That's, that's fantastic. Like, that's great. Like, he's aware. You know what I mean? Like, he, he that's, that's cute. I love that. <laughs> I never noticed this before, but some people are leaving and Stu tells him about it. And then he's like, where's Tatum? And he's like, she really got mad at me and left. I noticed that, obviously. But after that, he's hugging this girl and like, he's acting like he's kind of trying to hook up with her. And, like, her boyfriend's right behind him. He's like, I'm just kidding, man. You know, it's like, that's, he's acting like such a typical teen. Which is like, ugh, you know. 
And then we go back and Randy's watching the movie. He's like, here's the obligatory tit shot. This is edited for TV. They won't even say tit. <laughs> and then uh, we see Sydney take her shirt off. You know, she's like, they're mirroring, you know, what they're talking about in there. <clears throat> it's whatever. No, I don't. It's whatever. <laughs> There's not much to talk about here. And they get a phone call. And this is why I think, because like Stu's not in this room right now. And Randy gets a call that about Principal Hembry being hung from like the telephone or the, you know, the flagpole or whatever on the football field or whatever the heck. And like, did Stu make this call? Like Billy's busy upstairs, like, you know, getting busy upstairs, but Stu's not in here. So it's like, where is he at? Like, is he the one that made the call? Like who called and said this? Who, who would be like? You know, we just found the principal. You know what we should do? Call these people having a party. Like, why do they need to tell Randy? Why do they need to call Stu's and tell him? You know, I don't think it's just a random call. I think Stu specifically did this on purpose. Yeah, I think that was planned. But, um, so all these boys leave and they're drunk and driving as fast as ever. Like, and Kenny sees them and kind of like hides. And then we see De uh, Dewey and Gail talking and she's like, is Dewey your real name? He's like, no, it's Dwight. And she's like, well, I think Dewey's sexy as a name. It's like, it's obviously not, but, you know, she likes him. And um, he's like, it's just this town's way of not taking me seriously. And she's like, what about me? She's like, Gail Weathers it sounds like I'm a meteorologist. And she's like, people treat me like I'm an antichrist of journalism. And he's like, I don't think you're that bad. She's like, oh, no. I think that's because you kind of like me. But then, like, these drunk idiots driving fast as ever, like, come screaming down the road in their cars. And they're like, da 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 It's whatever. And, um, he has to, like, literally push her out of the road and, like, he lands on top of her and, like, they're laying there and she looks over. She's like, is that what you're looking for? And he looks at her and he's like, my whole life. <laughs> and she kind of giggles and, like, pushes his face over so he's looking at the car and it's obviously Neil's car and they're like, you know, oh no, Neil Prescott's here. He's probably killing people at the party. But, like, there's almost nobody left at the party. Um, Tatum's hanging there. Uh, Billy and Sydney are in the room. Stu's there. Randy and Kenny. And that's about it. Like, everybody else has left. So, yeah. But, yeah, calling him to say that Principal Henry was, like, hanging from the goalposts on the football field. Like, you know that was Stu, probably, to get those people out of the house. You know what I mean? Because it's harder to deal with killing all those people. You know what I mean? Like, he's trying to thin the herd so we can go on some more of their little rampage or whatever and um <clears throat> but the fact that these kids would just be like oh let's go look at it it's like why do you want to see that whatever uh, anyway so we see Sydney being like who'd you call with your one phone call and all that conversation and then he he's like what do I gotta do to prove I'm not a killer and she's like oh my gosh and like what is she saying that about? Like, does she like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know what, what. <laughs> Cause he's like, huh? And she's like, oh my gosh. And like behind him as the killer. And it's like, at this point, if you're watching it for the first time, you're like, it's definitely Neil Prescott. Cause it's like the guy that just had sex with his daughter. Of course he'd want to kill him, you know? But then, um, the killer chases her and blah, blah, blah. And, like, she shuts the door and locks it, but there's another way out of the room. And who would know this house better than anybody? You know, Stu, obviously, because it's his house. She goes into a room, and there's all these, like, freaky things in this room. So it's, like, 
This should give you a clue that whoever lives here is kind of freaky because it's got all these freaky killer type stuff in here. But, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, but they go through the room so fast that you don't pay attention. But, you know, there is some, like, stuff in here that would indicate a serial killer lives here. Um, you know, she does this whole move where she climbs out a window and falls onto, like, she climbs onto the roof and then, like, she, the killer grabs her arm and she, like, pulls back and then she falls off the roof into a boat and she's fine. <laughs> fine. You know? totally fine it's like you would not be fine if you fell on a boat like that but okay like a garage door killed tatum but sydney falls off a roof and lands on a boat and she's totally fine it didn't even break anything okay it's a it's fine <laughs> but whatever whatever i mean who cares about that stuff you know what i mean like that's what's happening but <laughs> it's it's not i don't care it, it it's not a complaint i don't even I'm fine with it. I'm fine with like suspension of disbelief or whatever. Um, but there's this whole chase scene where, she, you know, she runs and stuff. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, there's nothing emotional to talk about is what I'm saying. It's just um, running from the killer. And she like sees Tatum hanging there and she kind of like gags and runs away. It's like, this would be hard to take actually seeing your best friend like that. It's so sad. So, Jamie, <laughs> no, um, you know, what's Randy is sitting there watching Halloween and he keeps saying behind you, Jamie, which is hilarious because he's Jamie. <laughs> and, um, I mean, not only in situation, but that's his name in real life. And then Sydney bangs on the door of this like news van and like Kenny is asleep and he wakes up and lets her in. And then they see on the screen, like, Randy, you know, the killer's behind Randy. And, like, he immediately jumps into action. He's like, behind you, kid, watch out. He goes to help him, but sees the killer's not in there where he should be. And and <laughs> he's, like, trying to help everybody. It's so sad. And uh, <clears throat> he turns around, and she's like, what is it? And he's like, it's on 30-second delay. And we see that the killer just doesn't kill Randy and just goes like out the door and as soon as Kenny turns around like he gets his throat slit and then he with his last dying breath like <clears throat> his last moments of life is spent he's showing Sydney where the door is so she can get out and I'm like he used his dying moments to help someone else like <sighs> pour one out for Kenny he's the hero like that uh, it's so sad because it's like he He's so nice. Like he risked, he was, he jumped off the van to go help Randy. And then also like he, once he was dead, he was, he knew he was dead, but he still wanted to show Sydney how to get out. And it's like, what a sweet man. Like, honestly, he, <laughs> Kenny deserved better. He's like the Bob Newby of this movie. Sydney's jumping over fences, breaking down fences, running around the yards. <laughs> They're out in the, you know, country, um, <clears throat> sort of. And then Gail and Dewey run up and he's like, is there a phone in the van? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, lock yourself in it and call for, call the sheriff for backup. And that's a pretty good plan. And because uh, they see the front door of Sue's house is open and there's like nobody there. So he's going to go in and see what's up with his gun and stuff. But they separate, which is like kind of not a good idea. But he wants her to lock herself in the van and call the sheriff. So, I mean, that on its own is not a bad idea. Um, Yeah. But he hears, he goes in and he keeps hearing like the TV screams, but I'm pretty sure he knows that that's not an actual person doing that. But he, he's like, he seems goofy, but he is looking around and whatever. 
Nice job, Sydney. So Gail goes out and, you know, sees Kenny's gone. She sees the blood. She gets in the van and then Randy comes up and he's like, what's going on? And she like hits him with the phone like repeatedly. And he's, he's <laughs> poor Randy. And then um, he falls down and she sees there's blood on her windshield and she like wipes it off and she backs up and like Kenny falls in front, like on her windshield and she like screams and then she takes off and she's like, Kenny, I'm sorry, but get off my effing windshield. And, uh, then like he finally falls off of the roof and um sydney's like standing in the middle of the road waving her arms and it's like sydney could you not and like it causes gail to wreck so sydney just sees the gail wrecked and she's like okay whatever i'm gonna turn around and run. it's like sydney like you you were you were i did a, not a good thing like you can't just uh, whatever it's like thanks a lot sydney whatever more ADR for yelling. <laughs> She's yelling for Dewey, but he comes out of the house and we see that he's been stabbed in the back. And uh, we hear her say Dewey, but we see her say no. <laughs> it works. It's fine. I'm I'm not judging it. I'm cool with it. It's just like I'm. It's just so hard to not be aware of it. But this is sad attack because Dewey comes out and it's like Sydney. Like he's really stressed and he's got a knife in his back. And uh, then the killer, you know, Ghostface, walks out and she's like, holy crap. And she goes and gets in Dewey's Jeep. This ghost is a, this ghost face is a little more playful. And this is obviously Stu because Billy is still pretending to be, to, you know, be dead upstairs. So it, it matches Stu, though, because he's being super playful. You know what I mean? Like, it's a weird thing to call him because he's trying to kill her. But, I mean, that's what he's doing. He's acting playful. And she's trying to radio uh, the police. They, you know, uh, they fight over, like, oh, I gotta lock the door. And then he's gonna pop up on the other side. And then he comes out the back, you know, and blah, blah, blah. We know the scene. And she eventually gets away from him because she's the final girl. And she runs into the house. And, um, well, she's starting to run into the house. But Randy and Stu both come up to her and are like, Sydney, help me. It's him. It's him. They're both, like, accusing each other. And she is like, I don't know. Uh, don't know. She's smart. She grabs Dewey's gun and like holds it on them. And Randy and Stu are like arguing like, he did it. He did it. But one clue is that Stu says, because um, Randy's like, I found Tatum. She's dead. He killed her. And then uh, Stu is like, he killed Billy. And it's like, you know, it's kind of weird that anybody would be going upstairs and seeing that. The only people that know Billy's dead technically are Sydney and Billy or Sydney and the killer. So it's like. I mean, Billy's not really dead, but, like, how would he know? You know what I'm saying? Like, it just seems unlikely that he would have came across Billy's dead body. You know, like, it just doesn't seem very likely. But um, that should have kind of been a giveaway. I guess we could say that he, like, went up there, but why would he have at this point? But they're both outside, like, you know, and she's like, F you both, and, like, closes the door on them. And she's like, I don't care. And it's not, it's a smart thing to do, actually. I mean, how she's supposed to know. And at this point, at least in her mind, they're the only two that haven't got attacked or killed. So, you know, it's got to be one of the two of them in her mind. So, yeah, it's like, I'm not taking chances. <laughs> Screw you both. <laughs> she's got the gun. It's fine. Like, she, you know, all they have is a knife that's stuck in Dewey's back. Somebody would have to take it out, so... I mean, she is doing the smart thing. And plus, they're not in that much danger from each other because they're kind of an even 
territory here, you know, equal footing of how dangerous the other is. So it's like, it's, it's fine. She's not putting the, either one of them in too much danger because they don't have many weapons out there. <laughs> I love having the captioning going. So Billy like stumbles out upstairs and he's like, Sydney. And he like rolls all the way down the stairs. And I'm like, he totally did this on purpose. And it's so funny that he's just like, <laughs> and she's like, I thought you were dead. He's like, no, I'm like a stuck pig, but I'm alive. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I never noticed that he said those words like, Oh, that's great. Phone ringing again, really? During this movie? That's not good. Oh, gosh. This is the scene. This is an amazing scene. Like, this moment is, like, so exciting. And it's almost hot. It's, like, sexual. It's so creepy that it's sexual. And I know it's just because of the skeetoric, but it's, it's... I don't know if dudes would get this, but, like, this feeling is, like, fear and lust all at once of, like, dang, he's scary. It's nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's it's like, it's such a weird feeling for girls, especially if you're like a young teenager watching this growing up and you're like, oh no, it's him. But it's also like, dang, he's still hot. <laughs> like, I don't like Billy as a person or a character, but like, he is so hot. Even when he's like, you know, <laughs> he's like, skeet is too hot for this role maybe because <laughs> it's like make me not like him what a good twist moment like he goes to open the door and like he lets randy in and randy's like Stu's out there he's gone mad and you know billy turns around he's like well we, we all go a little mad sometimes but it's like this is way off from the context i mean it's a good reference it's fine he says it he makes it his own, and this is a totally new take on that line <laughs> because it's way out of the same context as when Anthony Perkins said it in Psycho, but he says the reference because he's so full of his own bullcrap. Um, <laughs> it's like, you know, whatever. But he's like, Anthony Perkins, Psycho, and he's like, mm, corn syrup, same thing they use for pig's blood and carry. So he's like full on, like, just, you know, drenched in movie references you know and Sydney like looks at him like shocked and just terrified and she runs to go in the kitchen and Stu is there looking like a zombie and she's like Stu you gotta help you know whatever and he takes that voice changer and is like surprise Sydney and she sees she looks back at Billy and he's like oh you didn't see that coming did you like he doesn't say that but that's what his face is saying good job acting for Skeet because they're both doing a good job of acting well all of them are really but um yeah that was just uh and then she tries to get away but like they grab her and it's like this is the moment where it's like this is so freaking it's not scary but it's like not it's not scary to watch but it's like if you think about the implications of like how much this is so much like if the average person were to get murdered, it would be by somebody like this. Statistically, most people are murdered by their significant other, like either their husband or boyfriend. And him having his dumb friend help, I mean, I could see that happening. Like, you know what I mean? So, like, when you're watching this scene, it's like, oh, there's Lucy Hale in a commercial for some sort of horror movie. But anyway. Sorry, I got distracted by Lucy Hale. But, um... Is she in this show? It's a show? I don't know. But anyway. So, yeah, we're gonna start the whole scene of them, like, confessing. 
and doing their whole villain monologue. It's basically like a men's rights activist thing. <laughs> it's not that bad, actually. It's not, they're just, Billy is just like, they're just kind of weird. It's just kind of like, um, we just thought this would be fun. Like, what do you think? <laughs> but Billy gets serious for a moment, surprising even like Stu, you know? And we'll get to that. It's at a commercial break right now, but we're going to see their whole little thing. <sighs> okay. I'm trying to make myself watch this as if it's realistic. And I am on the verge of tears. Like, this is so... Can you... I urge you as a woman or as a person at all to just put yourself in her shoes and, like, watch this as if this is, like, two dudes you know. And it's just so freaking terrifying and awful you know it's like if you're watching it it's like oh this is scream it's a movie whatever like they're having you know skeet is acting like the perfect psycho and she's like you're crazy and he's like actually we prefer the term psychotic like Stu says but this could be fun to watch if you're not thinking too much into it but if you're like actually thinking about what this would be like with your actual boyfriend and his actual dumb friend like this is so freaking realistic and terrifying like honestly and that's it's like and like skeet does a great job of putting that thing he's like we're gonna play a game it's called guess how i'm gonna die and like he says it into that thing and it's like that is great work as a performance but <laughs> he's like oh no where are you going and like when she tries to run away he's like where are you going like that is so Oh, that act, you you know you could just see that happening with someone you know you know what I mean like ay 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 like it's like how could this be and this is so much more likely you know like like I said serial killers are not smart they're just as dumb as these two and like <laughs> I mean honestly it's not like, like super dumb but they're just like average intelligence people and Stu might be a little bit below average intelligence but Billy is not that intelligent, but he's good at getting away with crimes because that's what he's focused on. But they're not really that intelligent. It's just, they're just two high school dudes who are just violent. And it's like, this is so much more likely of a scenario than any other horror movie. So it's like extra horrifying if you're putting it in that perspective. And so if you watch it that way, it's like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Like people have been in this scenario before. You know, like, for real, like, a lot. You know, it's like they're trying to get away from their husband or boyfriend who's abusive, and this is what they're doing. Like, this is so realistic that it's, like, hard to watch. And it's it's usually not, but if you actually put yourself, if you put it in that, like, realistic lens, it is so hard to watch. But Stu's kind of funny when he's like, watch a few movies, take a few notes, it was fun. You know, it's like, <laughs> come on man and then uh she wants a motive and uh Stu is like, or why do I keep calling him that Billy is like yelling at her and uh it's just so it's almost triggering actually like when you put it in the perspective of like realism Ugh. and uh he's like talking bad about her mom being a slut and stuff <laughs> and it's like seriously and then he says um I don't believe in motives you know, and he's like, uh, Norman Bates didn't have a motive. And it's like, he kind of did. He, he, you know, 
there was a thing. We can't get into that right now, but he did. You're wrong about that. Like y'all don't even understand the movies you watched. And then he's like, did they figure, did they ever figure out why, uh, uh, Hannibal Lecter liked to eat people? Don't think so. And it's like, well, they did. This was, I guess, before Red, or, uh, before Hannibal Rising came out. <laughs> it's like, sorry, Billy, you died before you got to find that answer. Like, that's kind of funny. It's like, okay, good. <laughs> I don't want- but anyway, like, he's wrong. And, uh, it's like, <sighs> it's annoying. But he's like, it's a lot scarier when there's no motive. And he's right about that, though. But still, he's annoying. It's like, you don't even know the things you're talking about. What what was the point? Like, you're not even getting the actual point of these movies. But anyway. Oh, gosh. At one point, she's like, F you. Billy's like, no, no, we already played that game, remember? And you lost. And it's like, I want to punch him in the freaking face. And then, um he's like you want a motive he's like how's this for a motive your mother was having sex with my dad and she's the reason my mom moved out and abandoned me and he's like parental abandonment is known to cause like serious deviant behavior i mean look at you uh it called it made you have sex with a psychopath it's like i am getting madder at him by the second <laughs> and then um Stu is just having fun with all of this he's like that's right you gave it up you're not a virgin anymore, so you gotta die. And he's like, ooh, I said virgin. And he's like giggling and acting stupid. But it's like, it could be fun to watch. But if you're like actually empathizing with Sydney right now, you're like, I want to kill them both with my bare hands. <laughs> They're being so infuriating. They're doing this whole thing. And one thing I noticed is like, he's like, we cloned a cellular phone. Like, you know, Stu gets excited and he goes and brings out Sydney's dad. And he's like, we cloned a cellular. And it's like, you know that the sheriff was talking about cell phone records and stuff. And they found out that the cell phone calls were being made from Neil Prescott's phone. And they were looking for his car and looking for him and they couldn't find him. And then Dewey is like, what about people cloning the cell phone? And he ignores him. And I'm like, so Dewey did figure it out long before anyone else like he actually if we go back and watch that scene where he's talking to sheriff the the sheriff dewey brings up someone cloning his cell phone and he gets ignored and it's like um you know uh he was right all along he's somebody cloned the phone he knew it wasn't him like he thought of that like oh my gosh dewey was right before anyone (laughs) so it's like wow you know, that's kind of interesting, but um, I'm pretty sure that's how it went. And it's like, well, he said that. He said something about cloning, whatever. And um, then they do this whole thing where Billy, he's like, watch this. And he's like stabbing. Um, he stabs Stu. And then uh, then he's like, my turn. And like, he looks at Sydney. He stabs Billy and he's he looks at Sydney and is like smiling. He's like, guess I got a little zealous, huh? So he's kind of like, bond trying to bond with Cindy over Sydney over the fact that he stabbed Billy too hard like he he wants her her to kind of be on his side here kind like it's kind of weird it's kind of like he's like haha did you see that you know like with her it's, I feel like if she really wanted to she could talk Stu into like turning on Billy I mean they do kind of start turning on each other in a way but like I feel like she could really talk him into it if she really had Tom you know talk Stu into teaming up against Billy you know 
it's like you could be the only one <laughs> like and you know like kill him whatever and like if once he killed billy i think it would be easier to you know deal with one you know but like that's not what happens but like he he does kind of give her this look like haha did you see what i did <laughs> you know and it's like kind of weird like i would feel safer with Stu. i'm just would i mean i feel like anybody would but i feel like he's the safer one but he is kind of crazy and he doesn't really realize this is reality <laughs> you know he's kind of lost touch with reality but he's not so much scary as he's just in like a malignant like he's trying to cause harm it's like he doesn't realize that's what's even happening like it, it to him this is not even real you know what i'm saying like he just has lost touch with reality completely billy is just like flat out like sadistic <clears throat> and so he tells him to get the gun and um he's continuously stabbing Stu, and she's like you guys have seen two one too many movies he's like movies don't make <laughs> turn people into psychopaths they make psychopaths more creative and it's like weird because skeet has these two different voices like his regular voice is this low raspy soft voice that's super sexy but like <laughs> then he's got this other voice when he's yelling that's super high pitched and shrill and it's like it's so weird to hear all the different ways of his voice <laughs> anyway <clears throat> so he tells Stu to get the gun and he'll untie Pops, he says. And, like, he goes to get the gun. He's like, Houston, we have a problem here. And Billy looks aggravated. And he's like, what? And he's like, the gun, man. It was right here. It was right here. Now it's not there anymore. He kind of almost slips into Shaggy voice. <laughs> it's like, you can see from here where Shaggy's, like, voice came from, from this. But he almost slips into the Shaggy voice. But, um, yeah. And he's like, where is it? Like, Billy's like, where is it? And Gail, like, points it at him. And she's like, right here. And he's like psychotically grinning at her and he's like I know something you don't and it's like oh that was really funny he's like I thought she was dead and Stu's like she looked dead man still does <laughs> it's like that's kind of funny but like she's like I got an ending for you and you know tells him her ending and um and where she's like find you two psychos and blow your brains out blah 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 and Sydney in the background is like I like that ending and they kind of look at her like the heck but it's like you know that she doesn't like you like what <laughs> why are you surprised <laughs> but she says her little thing and Sydney's like I like that ending and like smiles at her and it's like this is like a reconciliation of, of them two like the two women you know like because they've been enemies this whole time but like she's like screw that <laughs> you know let's forget the past you know you were right all along Gail it's kind of almost to her apology but then Billy's like, I know something you don't. He, like, kicks her out the door because she's trying to shoot him, but the safety's on it. And, like, freaking, he kicks her out the door and Stu's like, yeah, man, yeah. And it's, like, it's almost giving me, like, Jim Brewer vibes <laughs> from, like, Half-Baked or something. <laughs> no, if somebody was going to play, like, Jim Brewer in real, like, if, if somebody was making a movie about Jim Brewer, I think Matthew Lillard in this movie could play him. Because he's, he's kind of giving me a lot of those vibes. <laughs> but Billy's, like, smiling. And <clears throat> he's like, you gotta remember to turn the safety off. And cracks his neck, like, several times. And I'm like, ooh, uncomfortable feeling there. Don't like that. <laughs> he's gonna shoot Gail. He's like, this is Gail Weather signing off. And he turns the safety off. And, like, um, <clears throat> Stu's like, baby, you're gonna love this. He turns around. He's talking to Sydney. 
And he's like, uh, he turns around, he's like, shit. And Billy's like, looks at him, he's like, what? <laughs> like, things are not going well for him tonight. <laughs> things just keep going wrong. And they go in the kitchen, and Sydney's nowhere to be found, but then, like, Stu leans up against the freaking refrigerator, and he's like, coughing up blood, and he's like, I'm hurting, man, I don't know. Like, he's starting to die, like, he's dying. You know, he's slowly dying, <laughs> like, he's bleeding to death. And, um, <clears throat> Billy's looking around for her and the telephone rings underrated line <laughs> Stu's like should I let the machine get it <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> well I think this is improvised um, I watched an interview with these two dudes and like they were talking about um, this scene the scene the kitchen scenes and stuff took five days to shoot and they were like playing with their bloody hands because it was like the sticky Cairo syrup stuff and all this stuff <clears throat> but uh he gets the call Billy picks up the phone and it's Sydney and she's got the voice changer on and she tells him all good she's like guess you called the police you know and um he's like then he S Stu's sitting there and he's like get up and find her and Stu's like I can't you cut me too deep I think I'm dying and he's like talk to her just talk to her and um <clears throat> so Stu grabs the phone and Billy's looking for her and she, he's like hello and she's like oh Stu what's your motive Billy's got one and he's like peer pressure I'm far too sensitive <laughs> and then Billy grabs the phone from him and is like I'm gonna rip you up just like I did your mother and she's like you gotta find me first you pansy ass mama's boy and it's like thank you for saying that Sydney he deserves that and he gets mad and throws the phone which that was actually accidental he accidentally hits him with the phone. He's like, ow, you hit me with a phone. <laughs> and like, that was actually improvised because he was not supposed to hit him with the phone. Um, these scenes are funny, but they're not. You know what I mean? Because like those moments when they're like cornering Sydney in the kitchen, it's like, like I said, it's, it's not, you know, like if you put it on a certain lens, it's truly terrifying. But if you are just watching it like a movie, this is funny as heck because Matthew Lillard, it's like, He's improvising a lot of these lines and he's just, um, you know, it's just Matthew Lillard. He's just actually great. <laughs> and Stu, or Billy, is is just flat out, you know, psychotic. Billy loses it so much that he's even, like, cutting up the freaking cushions on the couch. It's like, she's not hiding in the cushions, you idiot. But whatever. I mean, he's losing it. And um, Stu picks up the phone again and says those great lines. <laughs> he's like, did you really call the police? And she's like, you bet your sorry ass I did. And he's like, starts crying. And he's like, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. But like, oh my gosh, that's perfect. A lot of these were improvised things. And it's like, this is so freaking fantastic. It's almost over. <sighs> um... Reporting through the commercials. I might get through this in this. I thought I was going to have to do uh, another whole episode of the podcast, but looks like we're going to make it. Probably, possibly. I guess that's kind of like a metaphor for what's going on because Billy's looking for her and he looks in the closet or starts to, but he gets distracted by the movie Halloween that's on and Jamie Lee Curtis is in the closet. And it's like, are you really like taking time out to like watch this movie? <laughs> like, it's kind of weird. Like, what getting distracted by the horror movie is like his demise. She stabs him with an umbrella and he falls down. She takes his gun away and takes off the scream, you know, the ghost face costume, throws the gun down. It's like, don't do that. 
And then Stu gets a second win, I guess, and comes and attacks her and they wrestle around and she eventually throws a TV on his head. But he, Matthew Lillard, thinks that, like, he could have survived this. And it's like, I hope so. <laughs> I would like to see him show up later. But, they're, you know, the fifth one is coming out in January. So we'll see. But I, I really would like to see him. There's no way Billy survived. But it's like, these two are the original Ghostface. And, like, there is no other that compares. So it's like... I don't know how you can't remake this. You can't redo this without these two. Like you just can't. Like they they suck as people, but like those characters, they're very interesting and very good villains. So <clears throat> there's no villains in any of the sequels that actually even I don't even barely remember them. Like Mickey, you know, I like the actor that plays Mickey, but yeah, nah. <laughs> you know, they ain't nothing like this. This is Roman in third in the third. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> not good at all but anyway these two you can't you can't redo this like sequels to this are just not don't even compare even the second one doesn't really compare at all so yeah if he's getting electrocuted by that tv and he whimpers and he sounds exactly like shaggy still it's like <laughs> it's so hard you just killed shaggy shaggy got killed by a television then Randy pops up and she screams and he's like, she's like, Randy, I thought you were dead. He's like, I probably should be. I never thought I'd be so happy to be a virgin. And it's like, um, Sydney's not a virgin and she survived. So we're, we're no, we're not doing that anymore, Randy. This is this is the nineties. We're we're not even in the nineties. We're not doing that anymore. That's not that's not acceptable. <laughs> so uh, Billy wakes up and punches Randy and then he attacks Sydney again and chokes her and she just looks like. Oh, you know, and he's like, say hello to your mother. And she like sticks her finger in one of his holes. <laughs> like, seriously, he's got like a bullet, some sort of bullet hole or stab wound on his shoulder. She like sticks her finger in a twist and he's like screaming and he like pulls the knife back and he's like raised up, getting ready to stab her. And he gets shot and Gail shoots him. He falls backwards and coughs and blah, blah. <clears throat> you know, he's dying. And, uh, you know, he deserves it. And, um, Gail was like, guess I remember the safety that time, you bastard. And, like, Randy looks at her like, oh, you saved the day. And, like, she did. She saved Cindy's life. Sid Sydney's life. So hard to say that name. Sydney's life. And, uh, so, yeah. Now, I'm sure they get along better now. <laughs> but, um, four minutes left and, you know, Sydney walks over and kicks his leg. And so, uh... Randy's like, watch out! This is where the de the supposedly dead killer comes back from the last scare, and Billy must have heard him because he's like, bah! You know, he wants to stay in line with the movies that badly, and uh, Sydney shoots him in the head, and it's like, not in my movie. And they all look around, and like, then <laughs> like Neil like falls out of the closet, and they all scream. But she's like, oh, Dad, like, gee whiz, <laughs> she says it in that tone, <laughs> and then you know, um. We all wrap up and then we see Dewey in a stretcher. And it, I, this is one of those like super relieved moments. The first time I ever watched this, I was like so relieved that he was okay. And he's like, thumbs up, you know, and they're like, you're going to be okay. And he's like, all right. And he's like, where's Gail? Oh, <laughs> and um, then Gail looking like she's been in a car wreck and all this stuff that she has been through is somehow found a cameraman. And it's like, starting her story about the night you know and it's like okay <laughs> you do you 
she's gonna get something out of this too but it's like we like her at this point <laughs> like honestly because it's just somehow you just end up liking her and she did save everybody i mean she did kind of i mean a couple of times really because if she hadn't distracted billy with the gun sydney could have got away the first time she got away in the kitchen you know what i'm saying so good job gail um she was more helpful than Randy or uh, Dewey or anybody. So, yeah. So, that's it. Uh, wrap it up. We fade away to the sunset and Stu's crazy, amazing house. And, <sighs> yeah, just, I gotta go back and watch that scene where Dewey's talking to the sheriff. Or, like, look it up on YouTube or something. Because I don't know if I want to rewind it all the way. But, yeah, I think he kind of knew. Like, <laughs> before anybody did this kind of crazy that he kind of knew that but yeah just um next time you watch this movie kind of put the lens of reality on it and think about the statistics about the fact that boyfriends are most likely to be the one to kill you and put yourself in sydney's shoes and like i know this isn't technically that scary of a movie but it's terrifying actually if you look at it through that lens so because <clears throat> these are the most realistic killers because they're not that smart they're just two angry dudes who have, you know, it's just, it's just very realistic in that way. So that's terrifying, <laughs> actually, if we look at it like that. Um, and yeah, next I'll probably be talking about Halloween, maybe the whole series of movies as a whole. Um, I'm not, I don't think I'll just be watching and like talking about one movie in particular, just discussing the entire like thing and just some moments in the movies that I can remember and that stand out to me. But anyway, that's more likely because this kind of takes a long time if we're doing a movie and you know how I like to talk. So, um, anyway, that's all for now. You guys be safe out there. Don't trust your boyfriends. That's the lesson of this movie. <laughs> and it's a pretty good one. <laughs> Even if they're like super hot, uh, don't trust them, you know. And, uh, you know, it's okay if you don't want to be a virgin, but it's not okay to trust your boyfriend completely. That's the lesson here, especially if they have dumb friends that are kind of fun. Yeah, that's, that's, this is such a likely scenario. But anyway, um, just the whole cast did amazing. The hair and makeup and the clothes were awful except for Tatum's because she had perfect hair and makeup and clothes the entire time. And the winner of the worst outfit is uh, that one girl in the bathroom with the, with the lime green hair clip and the purple shirt and the freaking khaki pants. Khaki pants fail every time. That's the worst outfit. Even worse than Gail's like bubblegum, juicy fruit colored suits. Um, the winner is Tatum's probably that gray jersey with the red pants with her hair and pigtails that was probably the best but anyway and remember guys billy and his penis don't deserve you